Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 130 of the podcast. It's the 27th of June, 2018, as I record this intro. This week on the podcast, I speak with Ronnie Meyer. Ronnie has two daughters, now in their 20s, who unschooled after leaving school in the early grades, plus a niece who stayed with them part-time over the years. Uh, Ronnie has shared her family's unschooling experiences for many years, both on her blog and speaking at the Life is Good Unschooling Conference. I really appreciated her joining me to dive deep into the challenges of shame and its impact on our unschooling lives. My thoughts have actually continued to swirl since our conversation, and I feel a blog post or something brewing from it. I hope you find our conversation interesting as well. As a personal update, tomorrow, the day this podcast goes out, is Michael's birthday. My youngest is now 21. (laughs) That's very cool. And as a community update, I want to thank everyone who has chosen to support my unschooling work through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patrons, Jessica Dean and Darcy Haley, and to Anita Wright for increasing her pledge. This week, I hosted the first monthly video chat and shared my talk, The Art of Unschooling. It ended up being over an hour and a half long. (laughs) I enjoy talking about unschooling. And I recorded it, so if you join at the video chat level, you'll be able to watch it whenever you want, as often as you want. And we're about to start a book chat on the unschooling journey in the forum. If you join at the forum level, you'll also get ebook copies of all my books, so you'll have the book all ready to read along and join the discussion. I deeply appreciate all of my patrons. Their generous support is vital to helping me freely share unschooling information and inspiration with anyone who's curious and wants to explore this fascinating world. If you'd like to support my unschooling work like this podcast and my website, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And with that, let's get to my conversation with Ronnie. Hi, everyone. I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Ronnie Meyer. Hi, Ronnie. Hi, Pam. Hi. Just to give everybody a quick little intro, I've enjoyed Ronnie's participation in online unschooling groups for many years, and I think we actually both started unschooling around the same time. And I've always loved the name of her blog, Zombie Princess, and I am very glad you kept the name even after you sold your boat. (laughs) I enjoyed reading Uh those stories. She's also spoken at unschooling conferences on the West Coast over the years, and all of that is to say I'm excited I finally get to actually chat with her in real time. Hi. To get us started, Ronnie, can you share with us a bit about you and your family? Sure. Um, We are Frank and Ronnie and MJ and Chloe, and then we've had our niece, Emma, 
with this part-time um, long story, but uh, MJ is 25 and Chloe is 24 and Emma is 19. So, and we've done a lot of traveling and uh, had the unconventional situation where I was the working parent and Frank was the, the unschooling parent. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. So I'm curious, share with us how you discovered unschooling and what your family's move looked like. (laughs) Okay. Um, We had always planned homeschool for middle school, Uh as I find middle school is very dangerous places for kids. Um, But then Chloe, our youngest, was actually very unhappy in elementary school. So I started researching homeschooling a little sooner than we had planned. And uh, you know, all the different methods and came across unschooling and thought these people are crazy and looked away, <laughs> uh, but kept coming back to it. And I was really drawn by the kindness, you know, on the old unschooling.com boards, the, the kindness that people showed toward kids, um, the emphasis on relationship and the way that, you know, my kids were in a, in a gifted program, air quotes, <laughs> for the you know, that supposedly was, was for people like them. And yet still here was Chloe being so very unhappy. And um, with, with unschooling, I caught a glimmer that maybe, you know, not only would it be tailored for them, but tailored by them and, you know, at their own pace, because pace was definitely one of the things Chloe struggled with. In school, they want to move on, you know, move on to the next thing. And Chloe's the kind who wants to immerse. Dive, and, yeah. Immerse. Yeah, so she was very frustrated by that. So, so uh, we took them out in December, middle of the school year, and started off by taking a trip to San Diego. So I was kind of thinking, well, we'll let them choose, but then we'll do unit studies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. It wasn't yeah. really going to be on <clears throat> But San Diego kind of showed us how it could be. It was very familiar because we'd done some traveling even while they were in school. Mm-hmm. And we know what that lifestyle looks like. Well, let me silence, silence my phone here. Sorry. Um, we'd done some traveling while they were in school. And so we knew what that felt like, that, that rhythm or lack of rhythm yeah, <laughs> of yeah. the day. And, and it felt right. And uh, we tried one math lesson. And then we were unschoolers. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Which is not to say it was night and day. You know, I struggled and had to had to reset myself quite a bit. But, you know, that was the beginning. So, yeah. Chloe was in third grade and MJ was in fourth. Ah. Okay, I'm really going to just turn this off now. I'm very sorry about that. <laughs> oh, no problem. No problem. So that's, that's really interesting. I, I especially because it was just a recent conversation I had on the, the podcast um, it was last uh, week's episode that as we're recording now. Anyway, we were talking about the transition and, you know, she talked about how she didn't use the word unschooling at first. We were talking to her and her husband and how she used like project-based learning as part of kind of a transitional description because it's such a huge jump, isn't it, from school to full-on schooling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got some really good advice on those boards and I wish I could remember which of the mom's actually said it but you know I went on there just full of what if we do this and it ruins their lives and somebody said what if you leave them in school and it ruins their lives <laughs> and with what we had seen in Chloe at that point that was a very real possibility and so that helped a lot I mean the what ifs are kind of a trap you know it's it's better if you can turn them around and <laughs> make them fit what your heart's telling you you want to do anyway yeah <laughs> you know, we knew. 
we knew what we wanted to do, but it was scary. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. And I mean, that was the same with my oldest too, at, at, at around that same time that he was not, um, not enjoying it. And I was, I was figuring out as I tried to work with the teachers, like you were saying, it, it was just not, not a good fit. Like just the style of, of how a classroom has to run. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. She had, she had amazing teachers, you know, this was an amazing program. Yeah. And and if my kid couldn't succeed, you know, in that environment, she supposedly has all the learning styles that schools value and, you know, Mm -hmm. and yeah, it wasn't working. Mm -hmm. I know. And And like she got very unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. She got very badly unhappy. So it was, it was in that sense, an easy decision. There was no way we were leaving her in there. Well, that, that's how that, that quote, you know, what happens if you leave them there, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because I remember that as well. And that hit me as well. You know, it, you know, it's already so bad, (laughs) you know, that, that I got to try something different. And like you said, so for me, I would notice, you know, when he was home, summer vacations, weekends, when we did things, he was like a different person, right? And you said when you guys traveled, you experienced that. So you you can see the night day, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so your children are older now. I was hoping you could share a glimpse with us of what they're up to. I love to hear what unschoolers are doing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Emma is 19. She's following in her cousin's footsteps and she's pursuing an AA at the local community college. Mm -hmm. Quick plug for community colleges here. I mean, Frank and I come from this academic, you know, ivory tower kind of background and, Mm -hmm. you know, you have that learned attitude toward community colleges. You can cut all this if you want. But no, no, it's so true, it. right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, we just loved, we just loved their experiences at the community college. The teachers are engaged and experts in their field and, and they're thrilled to have kids who come in actually wanting to be there, <laughs> you know? And yeah, it was, it was wonderful for all three of them. It's been really good. So anyway, Emma's 19 and at the community college, she's thinking about doing something in set design or, you know, something in the film industry. Mm-hmm. Um, Chloe is 24. She moved herself to Minneapolis two years ago mm-hmm. against her mother's wishes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she seems very far away. And, and yet, you know, with the, the online tools we have now, you know, we're in, we're in contact a lot. And it's, yeah. it's all right. Um, she's, uh, finished her first term at the university of Minnesota there. She's finishing up the universe, uh, the history degree that she had started on this side of the world mm-hmm. and, uh, working as a barista in the world's cutest coffee shop and taking advantage. <laughs> yeah. Taking advantage of the lower rents out there to live her dream of living alone. So she's got her own apartment, oh, yeah. really cute little place. It doesn't have air conditioning, which she feels in the summers, but it's hers. So <laughs> she and her cat. <laughs> yeah. And then MJ is 25 and planning her wedding. So <laughs> Yeah, she's getting married in August. So that's pretty much dominating her life. And she is making bank, that's in quotes, because that's what MJ <laughs> calls it, uh, as, a, as a barista at one of the local stands here. So, Oh, that's yeah. very cool. Congratulations. Yeah. Enjoy the wedding prep. <laughs> she's putting together a heck of an event. I think it's going to be really, really special. So oh. yeah, I'm excited. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. And I did want to revisit that point. Um, you were talking about uh, community colleges, right? Mm-hmm. And, and educate because I think that that is a, a, a significant piece of our de-schooling, right? As we start Absolutely. to see learning for the value of learning versus mm-hmm. the, you know, the stratified tiers that are conventionally there about this kind of learning is better than this kind of learning, right? It, it's big and yeah. so important, isn't it? Yeah. And that, that attitude that the teachers at the community colleges are there because they couldn't get any better. It's like, no, that's not what we saw at all. These are passionate, engaged, interesting people, you know, uh, yeah. Brought, brought some amazing people into the girls' lives, both the, both the students, mm-hmm. that's where MJ met her fiance, yeah. <laughs> and the, the professors and instructors there. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's wonderful. I love hearing that. Yeah. So now let's dive into our topic for this okay. week. <laughs> Dismantling shame. Um, yeah. Shame is definitely a very popular tool of control, right? In the, especially in yeah, that. Just about the, the key, the key tool it's of control. The key. Yep. Yep. Um, so I just want to talk for a minute to start um, about why we even want to do this hard work of removing it from our lives, right? How yeah. does the shame that we experienced as kids get in the way of our unschooling journey, our move to unschooling with our own family? And how can it hurt our relationships with our kids? Yeah, um, it's going to vary by person, but the short answer is that when shame hits you, you're going to parent by reacting instead of by responding. You're going to, <laughs> you're going to react from the hindbrain instead of responding from your, your intellect and your heart and, and your goals for your family. Mm-hmm. Um, we learn shame messages as kids, you know, and this is what's different in every family. Um, but it's things like you're inadequate, you take up too much space, you're unimportant, you're powerless. You know, you're, you're going to know for yourself what messages you took in from the parenting you received. And they're going to sort of be customized for your family going back generations, which we can talk about more. But Mm -hmm. um, probably the easiest way to see it in action in your life is to look back at your most painful moments with your parents, the things that your parents did that hurt you when you were young, the things that your parents do, if you're lucky enough to still have them, (laughs) that drive you nuts now. Um, I can give a couple of examples from my own if you want. Sure. Yeah. So... um, the thing that is wrapped up in a lot of pain from my youth that, you know, that my mother was so worried about being embarrassed in public, you know, public appearances are sacred to her and, you know, still are, but certainly when we were growing up. So the messages we got were that we were kind of risky for her to be around that, you know, we needed to be controlled, that we make too much noise that we, yeah, we take up too much space um, that we were, that you say the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. So, so that plays out in me now, uh, for instance, with all of the anxiety I had about doing this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> what if I say the wrong thing, right? Yeah. Um, it, I'll see it still in things like, you know, giving the description of my kids, you know, MJ's a barista. And that the conventional attitude toward that, and that's what she's doing, you know, planning the weddings, you know, occupying a great deal of time. But mm-hmm. She's a barista, and that's what she's doing. And the conventional attitude is that she's a failure, you know. 
And that has nothing to do with the kid that I actually see who's happy and excited and totally engaged with the world and, you know, going out with friends and politically active and, right? Yes. So, but what I wanted to do when I was introducing her is to say, oh, but she, she went to the university, you know, she got into the University of Washington, and, right? Yes. That's my mom's voice in me saying, you know, that you have to appear successful by conventional terms. You have to pe- appear conventional, <laughs> Pretty much, right? You don't want to stand out in negative ways or in any way a lot of the time. So with my kids, I had to let them stand out. I had to let them say the stupid thing, air quotes again. (laughs) Um, You know, and that was very difficult for me because my early training is don't do that. You know, that's scary. That's dangerous. That's Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to dive into that a little bit because... That one hits really close to home for me as well, right? Because, you know, I was I was responding to a comment on my Facebook page today, and somebody was asking, um, "Do you have podcast episodes um, of unschoolers who grew up and went to college and got high paying jobs?" Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So you know. I sh- I said yes. Go listen to some of the growing up unschooling um, interviews I've done with grown unschoolers, and they've chosen to go to college. But I had to say, you know, that they're not. Go- yes, they're not yeah. choosing college because it's leading to a high paying job. They're choosing college because they want to learn more. They want to yeah. go there, and. Yeah. If Chloe, Chloe is not aiming at a high paying job, she's yeah. getting a history degree. <laughs> she's, <laughs> that, she's in college because she loves stories and, you know, she loves history. That's why she's there. So, yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, the same thing with, you know, if I uh, do an introduction and, and I talk about Joseph and, and mm-hmm. how, you know, he's happily living at home with us at, and he's 26 and, and doing, um, doing his stuff, uh, you know, writing and, and his interest there. And, and, you know, some people again will, could judge that as failure if they're yeah. looking at outcomes. Right. But again, exactly. that is not at all what I see, you know, this highly engaged, um, interested, so, so much knowledge that he like astounds me still to this day. Right. I learn from him right. in almost every conversation <laughs> we have, yeah. right? Who are yes. your best teachers? Exactly. <laughs> your unschooled kids. Yes. And just because his journey is taking a different timeline yeah. than conventional exactly. timelines means zero. And I also right. feel sometimes feel uncomfortable, you know, if I share because Lissy's and Michael's stories sound a little bit more conventional. Yet again, uh-huh. they were not; they didn't come from a conventional place, right? Yeah, they they were yeah, pursuing we, the things they love, and it looks more conventionally successful. But all right. three of them, I love to bits, and all three of them are enjoying their lives and making changes, and things go sideways and they're making different choices you know they're all living fully it just looks different looking from the from the outside right when you have more conventional filters if you were if you were raised to to put on a good show you know it's it's going to be challenging to to face that people especially who are new to unschooling go looking for poster children Mm -hmm. and i've talked about this 
<laughs> in the past some. At any given moment, my kids could have been poster children for unschooling. I mean, there was that moment when both of my girls were at the University of Washington, you know, top flight <laughs> public university, right? Yeah. And it's like, okay, they're my poster children for unschooling. By the following winter, yeah, by the following winter, they had both dropped out. Mm-hmm. You know, different reasons, you know. Um, yeah. And then suddenly, so does that mean they're not poster children anymore? Yeah. No, I think that means they're poster children even more. Yeah. You know, it's because they recognized something that wasn't right for them and they were able to move toward something that was more right for them. Doesn't mean they're never going back to school. Chloe did. She went back to school, you know, <laughs> unlike her mother. <laughs> <laughs> right? So that, that freedom to look at her own life and, and to decide what's right for her played out where she was able to reconstruct her entire life mm-hmm. and go back to school. You know, something that I never managed. <laughs> I yeah. just, you know, got on a path and stay, stuck to it, right? Well, well yeah. After think, a while, that path included babies. So <laughs> that's one of those commitments you don't turn away from. <laughs> well, that was it. I so bought into that path, right? You yeah. know, did well at school, got that scholarship to university, did like the the hardest program I could think of, you know, engineering and combine it with a business degree and, you know, get on the dean's list and get married and have children. And, and then, uh, <laughs> you know, At some point so, you yes, I totally had bought into that messaging, right? That this mm-hmm. is how I show everybody that I have value, that I have exactly worth it. Right. It's it exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which ties back to shame. Yeah, you know, exactly. That, that you had to prove your worth mm-hmm. growing up. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things like if I told my mom I felt like I had to prove her my worth, she'd be devastated. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. she'd, it's not it's not intentional for the most part, you know, um, although some of the stories I got when I was researching all of this <laughs> from unschooling parents, you know, things that happened to them as kids, it's yeah. it's horrifying. You know, some of the things that supposedly loving parents will do their, to their children. But yeah, but w- with my mom, it was all pretty unconscious. And that kind of comes around to, you know, you can do better than that by examining, you know, the things that, the messages that you grow up with and the, the, the beliefs about yourself that you took in as a yeah. kid. And, and that, that actually leads very nicely into our next question. <laughs> and we talk about it so often on the, on the podcast, when we find ourselves facing a challenge like this is the first step is often to dig into the roots of the issue, right? If you find yourself reacting um, with those kinds of control, shame-based messages. So I was hoping you'd share with us some of the roots of shame that you've seen. Like you mentioned, you had um, talked to people about this. You dove into this topic um, yourself. So uh, where can some of our feelings of shame like come from? Mm-hmm. As we do, um, our our parents yeah. is is the key. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna pick up some incidentally at school, at work. You know, um, the the people that you're around can shame you in different ways. But the the key is from our parents, and they got it from theirs. You know, unschooling is generational. It goes back centuries. Sorry, unschooling. <laughs> 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 if only unschooling went back generations. Shame is generational. It goes back centuries. They have 
they got it from, especially, you know, I can see it. I knew my great grandmother Mm -hmm. and my grandmother and my mom. And so I can follow this, you know, these attitudes. Oh, I'm doing stepping stones with my hands here. (laughs) I can follow these attitudes, you know, coming down um, my great grandma to her daughter, my grandma to her daughter, my mom to me and me to my kids. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't find unschooling until they were in third and fourth grades, right? Yeah. I didn't yeah. find more peaceful parenting until MJ was five, I think, you know? Mm-hmm. So absolutely, my kids have <laughs> early messages in shame. Um, but I think that unschoolers who are raised without shame, more air quotes, from birth are still going to feel shame. What I've noticed is that they're... Uh, their sort of shame meter gets set at a different place. So they're going to take, yeah, they're going to take in shame from much smaller cues than we had to deal with. Like, they're so perceptive, all kids, right? Yeah. yeah. That, that little half second face you make when they say something, you know, they're going to see that. So much. they're, They're going to take in some shame from it. You know, I, so I did, I think it would do a disservice to pretend that our kids can be raised without shame because they absolutely can't. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean we're off the hook. <laughs> we still have to do the work. We still have to look at our own issues, look at the things that trigger us, look at um, the damage that was done to us as kids. Try not to pass that on. And then when you see shame in your kids, you've got to shine a light on that. You know, say, oh, I see what you're feeling there. I recognize this. I feel that too, you know, and it's, it's got to be talked about, which was, it never was when I was a kid. And then I think that is going to just, just by awareness is going to give them better ability to cope with it, to recognize it as an emotion that they can, can handle like they do any other emotion and, you know, maybe implement some tools. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you'll have learned enough to model, <laughs> you know, coping with your own shame somehow. Yeah. I love, I love that point of um, their, their shame meter, right? You know, that, yeah. that I remember some comments where they're just so perceptive and they pick it up fast. So even when we are doing much less controlling, you know, yeah. then, then we experience much less negative reacting. Up. Exactly. <laughs> but that little bit or that little hesitation in your voice yeah. has impact. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's, and I, there's I a thing in, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, oh, I was just going to say, there's a thing in little women. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we've got some lag going. So it's hard to, <laughs> uh, there was a bit in little women where I think it was Joe sees her mother's lips thin and mm-hmm. knows that her mother is extremely angry. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and that's, that's the kind of thing that happens when you are trying to raise your kids without shame is they're going to, they're going to learn what you look like when you're holding back the shame that you experience. You know? I know. And, 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 and then there's like, you know, Oh, you're mad. I'm like, how, <laughs> how, how did you know <laughs> when I grew up, you know, exactly. to know that a parent was mad, but now I have to like not purse my lips. Yeah. He is the conversation, impossible. right? Because, because yeah. then it opens up the doors. Like, if for us not to feel shamed by realizing 
that we created that reaction, even with some subtle thing that we did, you know, and it's like, Oh, I want to be an unschooling peace. I want to be a peaceful parent and everything. I don't want to use this as a tool of control. And when you see that they recognize something like that, there's a little bit of shame that we need to work through quickly. Right. Because if you ignore it, then, then it just builds. But if you can acknowledge it, and, and talk about it and maybe explain where that came from. I mean, so many really interesting conversations flowed from that, right? Yeah. Yeah. It opens up a lot. They get to know you better and they, they gain some awareness. And also, if you've talked about it enough, you'll know because as they get older, they'll, they start responding like, I know, mom. I know. Okay, mom. <laughs> you know? okay i have fully communicated this issue yes yes so they go yeah mom you you need a couple minutes there (laughs) but that's good that's great right because that tells you that the communication lines are open and they get the point and you know it's everybody just needs their space in that moment to move through right 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 um so we're helps to know when shame may be getting in our way, right? That's often, you know, when you, when you find yourself maybe saying something that you're like, Oh, I sound just like my parents. I mean, that's almost cliche because it happens so much, right? Oh, my mother just came out of my channeling or or whatever, whatever. (laughs) But um, I was hoping you had maybe some tips that you might be able to share that can Mm -hmm. help us with that step. Yeah. Um, John Bradford, who's one of the key researchers on shame, mm-hmm. if you dig into it at all, you know, I recommend his, his writings. Um, he has a list of triggers, things that trigger shame in us. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of surprising, the list, in that it's got um, things that you might expect, like, you know, making a mistake or <laughs> saying the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it also has some positive things, you know, like success. If you experience a success, that can trigger shame. If someone says something nice to you, (laughs) have you ever had someone say something nice to you and you burst into tears? (laughs) Yeah. Right? Yeah. These these can also be shame triggers. Um, He he mentioned dangerous relational situations, which I turned into dangerous situations with relations (laughs) with your relatives, right? Yeah, yeah. Family gatherings. Family gatherings can be a huge shame trigger because yeah. you're going to step right into, Frank calls them your old tapes. Yeah. You know, you're going to step right into them. And um, yeah, those, those can be really tricky. Uh, absolutely making mistakes can, receiving criticism, or, you know, like, I cannot receive feedback at work from my manager who has the role, who has the assigned task of providing feedback, feedback. to me. I can't receive feedback without, without crying. Mm-hmm. I feel really bad for my manager, right? That's not fair. That's their job to do that. And here I am weeping. Um, it doesn't mean I haven't received the feedback. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it, it triggers me big time to get criticized like that, to feel like I let someone down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, having someone apologize to you. A lot of us hate receiving apologies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that, can, that can be a shame trigger. Um, and, and your feelings are hurt um, entering into a new relationship. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. And definitely making mistakes. Oh yeah. 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 Big time. Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I just remember when I thought for, it took me like six months thinking about even starting this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) To put yourself out there. Yeah. Yes. And, and the worry about saying the wrong thing, right. Mm -hmm. It was, that was that push and pull. It's like, I want to be able to just think and speak on my, my feet. I wanted to um, gain experience with that. I wanted to get better at that because that was something. Cause I always felt before I could have a conversation with somebody, I needed to know what the topic was going to be. I needed to kind of, you know, know what my answers would be or you know what I would say everything all communication I wanted to be in writing because I had more control over it that way right exactly (laughs) exactly but this just felt like something (laughs) I really wanted to do because one thing I learned from unschooling is when things are more open they go so many cool places I could never have imagined and I couldn't have plotted out a path to you know what I mean yeah. So I learned that's what yeah. I was like, okay, I, mean, I would love to open up the conversation and see where things go because they, in my experience, yeah. they end up going in delightful places I couldn't have imagined. Yeah. But yeah. oh my gosh. Room for vulnerability. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Yes. There's yeah. a word for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it, it pays off. You yeah. know, it, it just, you know, to be more vulnerable within your, in your, home, you know, in your relationships with your family members, um, in the workplace, it pays off. Um, when I put together the talk that mm-hmm. got you interested in this, this topic, um, yeah. see that's that the way I phrased that is going to be one of those things that I rehash yeah. endlessly after we hang up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, um, now I've totally lost my thread. Sorry. <laughs> We we're talking about like, the cool I said the wrong thing and I went into a total places the places uh things go when you're open to them. Oh well, yeah. Um when I wrote my shame talk for Life is Good, I opened it by talking about getting laid off. Mm-hmm. Right? And near the end of it talked about being sexually abused as a kid made myself vulnerable Mm -hmm. (laughs) big time in a couple of different ways um and ended up reaching a lot of people you know it's far and away the talk that seemed to move people the most and you know and and i think part of the reason is obviously the subject matter you know we all experienced this shame but but to lay myself out there like that allowed people to step a little closer and, you know, and you can see it play out in lots of different ways in your life. And yeah. So, yeah. And now I've done it again. I've revealed both the, both those things in the podcast. So, (laughs) (laughs) but it's so true, you know, and, and like you mentioned us being vulnerable within our families because it's in there that the, connections such strong connections are made and stronger relationships built and that's that's one thing we discover through unschooling you know you start replacing school you start worrying about the learning right Mm -hmm. 
And you, you soon enough through de-schooling get to the point where you realize the importance of the value of the relationship and the connection. And then that's all you focus on. You know, the learning will happen right. along the way, but that vulnerability connection and, and relationship is, is all, yeah. isn't it? Absolutely. So. Yeah, I can imagine why you got such a response to your talk. That's beautiful. <laughs> okay, so do you have any tools? <laughs> I think we um, people start to realize, you know, and start to recognize when shame is coming up for them. Um, yeah. Are there some, some little tips that you could share to help people um, yeah. working through those moments? So I, I put together a list. Um, if you have a way to publish it, I can send or maybe I already sent you the handout. But people need to keep in mind that I wrote that in 2010, I think. Mm-hmm. So like uh, I mentioned a therapy approach. Mm-hmm. Therapy approaches evolve in the list. Oh, I'll have to look it up. Hang on, let me pull it up here. Um, the acceptance and commitment therapy is the one that I mentioned in my, in my toolbox. Um, we can just shorten that to therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, you can absolutely work through things with a therapist. One of the ones that helped me a lot was to kind of describe a situation that you're going through, you went through as a kid, and the therapist plays the role of the parent you should have had in that moment, right? Yeah. And reacts the way you wish your parent had reacted. And it can kind of shift the memory in your brain as if it didn't happen quite so horribly (laughs) right or you know anyway it can be can be really healing and and something like that you're going to want to work through it with with a professional you know Mm -hmm. um there are also things that that can help people you know in varying amounts i'm not going to say that any of these are are cure-alls you know yeah Yeah, it's it's this is a toolbox Mm -hmm. when you're feeling triggered by shame pull out the one that feels like it's going to help you the most mm-hmm. in that moment. Um, I'm not a huge Byron Katie pa- fan, but her exercise that's called the work, it's this little worksheet where you, you write a belief that you have, and then you answer four questions about that belief. Mm-hmm. And then you turn the belief around so that, you know, if you have the belief that um, my mother is ashamed of me, Right. You answer the questions about it, and then when you get to the end and you turn it around, you you do the you know you can do the opposite. You say, "My mother is not ashamed of me. My mother is proud of me. Mm-hmm. I am ashamed of myself." I mean, there are different ways that you can turn it around. Yeah. Um, that worksheet, I love, so I I recommend that. Um, Byron Katie, I would take with a grain of salt. Um, she is a little. Um, she treats it like it's a cure all. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. so enough said on that. Yeah. Um, um, some people get a lot of comfort from tapping. It's emotional freedom technique. Um, you can find, you know, you can find websites about that. Meditation, huge. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I would wholeheartedly recommend. Um, meditation and the ability it gains you to be more mindful in any given moment, where instead of going, ah! <laughs> right, you go, I'm feeling very upset by that. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it can help you gain just enough time to respond instead of react. So mm-hmm. I highly recommend meditation and 
um, yoga, meditation, doing morning pages, uh, you know, meditation is a catch-all term. You're, yeah. you're going to find a, a medita- meditative approach that works for you. And yeah, mm-hmm. I use all of them. Coloring books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, John Bradford's book talks about thought distortions. Um, it can be like when you, instead of thinking, um, I made a mistake, you know, oh, I forgot to put the the leftovers in the refrigerator last night, you know, you distort that and it becomes, I'm a terrible failure, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So if you start learning to recognize the way your brain does that. And it's um, it starts spiraling, right? Yeah. One of the ways I did it, which may or may not have been good um, in retrospect, but it definitely helped me. Um, when I would have horrible thoughts about myself, I'd say them out loud. And Frank and the girls would look at me and just horrified. Like, why would you say that about yourself? You know, yeah. and it helped me, helped me recognize how bad those thoughts are, you know, how irrational and, and extreme they are, you mm-hmm. know? So yeah, I don't want to advocate using your kids as your therapists, but, <laughs> but seeing their honest reaction to that, you know, that, that thought negativity was, was good. Um, oops. I, I seem to have triggered something in the Zoom meeting. Am I still coming through okay? Yeah, yeah, you're fine. Okay, good. Um, yeah, the big, a big one is mistakes. We talked about mistakes mm-hmm. um, and what a big trigger those are. <clears throat> you need to reframe mistakes. John Bradford says mistakes are a label that, is, that are applied in retrospect. Mistake is a label that's applied in retrospect. Um, so instead yeah. of looking at it as an immense failure, you think of it as a warning for the future, it's a gift that allows spontaneity, right? Yeah. Uh, you screw up, it allows you to go, you know, to turn it into something fun. Um, and it's certainly always a learning opportunity. So that's good. Uh, Christine Kane talks about becoming an imperfectionist. So she's got a, a blog post about, you know, doing things imperfectly on purpose. You know, you mm-hmm. set out to do it. Ah, um, <laughs> just to get used to it <laughs> yes exactly that's a small step right <laughs> exactly you know yeah. um uh unschooling moms laura andrus and colleen pafe mm-hmm. are embarking on a project called second best self uh-huh. they're on instagram you should check it out uh, you uh-huh. know they're and they're they're working on that um and that's another you know another way to like well my first best self didn't show up today, but <laughs> there's my second best self, you know. That's, yeah. We hold um, ourselves to such a high standard. Absolutely. That, so, not even high standard, but Im- impossible. Impossible standard. We always want to absolutely. be the best, be our yeah. best selves in the moment, but, but we always forget about that in the moment piece. Yeah. In right? the moment. We just keep and, holding ourselves. And no matter how good I do, I never think I was my best. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, right? So even if well, I don't have anything. Well, that's how important in the moment is, right? This exactly. is. <laughs> that's uh-huh. the fire point. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you can develop a, a little habit, almost a tick for yourself to help you know, you know, um, I don't know that median age of your audience, but if they're familiar with Carol Burnett on every episode of her show, she used to tug her ear. And I can't remember now what that was. It was a message to a loved one or something. I don't remember. She would tug her ear, right? So 
that's that's an idea. Um, maybe you put your finger against your nose. Anyway, I think it was John Bradford who calls that the shame siren. You turn on the shame siren somehow. So, you know, you tug your ear to turn the shame siren on, like, oh, there it is. There's shame, right? <laughs> just, you know, just another thing to help you, you know. That helps. I think doing just anything physical helps pull you out of your head a little bit, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. um Definitely writing for me has been huge. You know, yeah. morning pages, journaling. Um, That's me. Yeah. <laughs> Words. And then um, I love this one. It's play. Reclaim. I'm going to get a little weepy. Yep. <laughs> Reclaim the things that you were shamed for. You know, the, the being silly, the, the having feelings. Reclaim those. Own those. Those are yours. Mm-hmm. Right. You yeah. have those things. Um, a, a thing That's went by on Tumblr about, you know, realizing that you're an adult and you can do the things that your parents didn't let you do, like pay the extra money to go to the butterfly exhibit. And I, you know, I can't remember the other examples they gave, yeah. Right? but yeah, you, you reclaim your childhood, live it now yeah. the way that you wish you could have lived it then. And that's been a huge part of unschooling for me yeah. is because I wanted my kids to play and have fun, I got to play and have fun. I got to be that, you know, my younger self all over again and, and do the fun things. Yeah. I think that, that was the biggest piece of de-schooling for me, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I was so busy following all that path, right? Which mm-hmm. is all about making the perfect grown-up. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it's not about being a kid at all. <laughs> I, I hate to tell you kids, but you never get there. <laughs> and, and so learning, I, I, I literally had to learn how to play. I had to learn to value play and for it to be okay for me to play. That That's not a waste of time in those air exactly. quotes, right? So that that was a huge piece and being able to, it just, it, it, it was another thing that brought me so much closer to my kids. Right. Because I could just be with them. It was, it, Uh it wasn't that adult. Yeah. That adult child separation. Right. I wasn't an adult doing it. It was just us playing together, but that took time to get there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's a, when the answer to the why question, like, why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. When the answer is because it's fun, that's a good thing. That's, you know? that's something fine. to embrace. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. All that's of a sudden fun. I want to just stop because, because that's uh-huh. when you're engaged and in the moment and the joy is just mm-hmm. kind of oozing. Even, even if what's fun is hard, you know what I mean? Even if it's yeah, challenging. Absolutely. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> back to work. Back to work. Back to work. And actually. Oh, you wanted me to, um, yeah. the John Bradford quote you loved. It's. Oh. He yeah. said about shame. He said, you either pass it back or you pass it on. The only way out is through. That's what we talk so much about, you know sitting with the discomfort, sitting Mm -hmm. with the fear, finding the roots, exploring it and moving through it, or else you're just going to keep batting up against it, aren't you? Yes. You're just going to keep handing, like you said, handing it back. Yeah. 
Yeah, that that gave me goosebumps because <laughs> because it's so true and and you know, you see it I see it in in other people's writing. That's one thing I I love, you know, that people are getting to these points about what it means to be human through so yeah. many different windows. Right? So you can see these kinds, these same kinds, you know, you see the same kind of messages through Brene Brown and her vulnerability work. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I see these. Another more recent researcher mm-hmm. on shame. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. yeah. I see it through, I see it through the um, art and work of Amanda Palmer. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, she's, I, she's, she's shrugging off a lot. <laughs> <laughs> And showing us how to do it in the process. Exactly. You know, I just, I see it in so many different places. It's, it's beautiful. And and when we find the window that, that connects with us, right. Whether it's through, you know, maybe John Bradshaw's work, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe some, maybe you need to come at it sideways, which I would kind of consider more Amanda Palmer, just seeing somebody else doing the work. You know, right. or whether it's Brene Brown that speaks to you, it's it's mm-hmm. looking for like you said before. There's all sorts of things, but it's very individual, right? You pick what what might work for you, and it may mean trying a whole bunch of things, trying a whole bunch of windows to help you kind of start poking holes and and seeing um, what it is for you in those moments, right? right? And then right. just finding what what works for you. That's so cool. absolutely. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> let's let's shift our focus <laughs> and you know, bring it back to some of the happier thoughts. Uh-huh. And I, you know, as you mentioned, your kids are um, all, and your niece was it uh, uh-huh. was with you are are older now. So I thought I would love to ask you, looking back for yourself, what for you has been the most valuable outcome from choosing unschooling all those years ago? Um, Not relationships. Well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, you know, I wanted to say something more original because <laughs> I'm sure you've had people say relationships quite a bit, but it's, it's huge. It, the having grown kids who enjoy your company, who call you when they're feeling sad, who want to go shopping with you or have you come visit them in Minneapolis. I mean, um, it's huge. I, you know, and it's, it continues to be work to, I mean, (laughs) this is a little off topic, but having uh, grown kids, is is an interesting challenge you know it's how much do you say how much do you not say it's constantly you know walking this (laughs) balancing beam trying not to interfere too much trying not to give advice when they're not looking for that you know it it, you kind of feel your way um and that's another one where you know you just keep shining the light on what you're trying to do, <laughs> keep checking in, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, like MJ, the older one, I I leave her alone a lot. You know, she's she's fiercely independent, and of the two of them, um, has more baggage with me 
you know, because she was that kid who Older. experienced yeah. before peaceful parenting and, you know, a lot, lot more baggage there. So I leave her alone, but periodically I check in. I send her uh, cute cat photos on Instagram, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, things like that. Um, <clears throat> and I check in and say, I've been leaving you alone. Is that what you want? And she'll say, yeah, I appreciate it. You know, she knows what I'm doing and, and yeah. recognizes that, you know, that I'm giving her a space that she wants. And, um, and then totally different relationship with Chloe, but still needing to, to walk that line. You know, where she she and I talk almost every day, you know, joined at the hip, 1,400 miles apart, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but then there will be days where she goes quiet. You know, it's like, okay, <laughs> Chloe's having some mom-free time. You know, I get that, <laughs> right? Anyway, but the the foundation that we have that allows us to do that kind of checking in with each other and and, and trusting each other you know, to, to listen if we're getting it wrong or anyway, it's, it's cold. It is. (laughs) Yeah. I I could not have imagined how happy a family could be before, before unschooling. You just, it's not something you're told. It's not something you lived, you know, the, the, the bonds that you have and the fun that you have. And yeah. (laughs) I love, I love that Ronnie. And it's so true. And you know what, someday I'll put a get, together an episode with all with so many of the guests saying relationships relationships that's my answer too right Uh you have no idea before you start do you you know of the kind of relationships and and i love the point that it's not like oh we start unschooling we develop this great relationship and and we just keep going there it is yeah, yeah, and there it is forever, right? You know, it's yeah. like, oh, we're all human beings living together and and or fourteen hundred miles apart. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it, well, exactly. But in relationship, right? Yes. And and that it almost um it makes it easier to accept our growth and change when we see it in our children and it's perfectly normal, like you understand how they're growing and changing. It's like, Oh, people grow Uh and change. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes we step on each other's toes and, and that connection that, that we can, you know, reach out and say, Hey, you know, this is kind of mum free space for the day or, or for weeks or however long it, you know, to be able to have, that um, level of connection where you can just ask those questions and people will honestly answer. Like that's one thread that we've talked about throughout the episode, right? Is with our children is um, the importance of the value of that openness of communication that we don't feel shame if they want their, if they're enjoying their independence and they don't need to communicate Mm -hmm. that often. Right. It's just, Yeah. yeah, that level of relationship. Who who knew that kind of a relationship with any person could exist, right? Especially right. within with parent and children. Yeah, I love that. It, it's 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 just a shock because there's no no expectation or understanding of where you can get to when you start, right? Yeah, and that it kind of goes back to my first reaction. You know, learning about unschooling, these people are crazy. Crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, no, actually, it's the rest of the world that's crazy. 
because they're they but they don't know they don't know <laughs> they don't know what they're turning away from you know what yeah anyway <laughs> yes <laughs> Well, now that we're both speechless, it's probably a good point. Uh (laughs) (laughs) So I do, I want to thank you so much, Ronnie, for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you for having me. And it was fun. And I don't think I said anything too wrong. (laughs) (laughs) No, you and I, we now vow that the whole episode can go out. Before we go, where's the best place for people to connect with you online? <laughs> well, my my blog is much neglected, but that's, God, I can't even remember. It's zombieprincess.blogspot.com. Mm-hmm. And I have a, a hashtag, a label there, unschooling, if you want to ignore all the family news. <laughs> yeah. um, and right now I'm taking a Facebook break, so can't really find me there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, if they want to email me, they can get that through you probably. Yep. Yeah, something. sure. They can get in touch with me or yeah, they can probably comment on your blog as well. No problem. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ronnie. <laughs> Thanks again. Thanks for having me. No, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks. And have a great day. <laughs> Thanks. You too. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to pick up your free copy of my book, What is Unschooling? In it, we'll explore some of the common questions people have when they first hear about unschooling, like how will my child learn? How do I know they're learning? What is de-schooling? And how do I get started? It's also available at many online ebook retailers. And if you'd like to connect online, you can find me on Facebook at Living Joyfully. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.